Podcast. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What, what, werewolves? What up? And welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley, why are we talking all quiet? Because this is a scary movie. Headed up with a scary Mr. Rogers quote. (laughs) Props to sound design. They made that quote really freaking scary. Werewolves within. Uh... Ready to talk about some hot beaver field goss? <laughs> um, where where can people find Werewolves Within, Wes? I found it on Prime, which they called Early Access. Okay. Apparently this movie was originally released for streaming on my birthday, but on places like iTunes and stuff, it's scheduled to be released on your birthday. So we're in the middle with Early Access via Amazon Prime. Only on or whatever movies.com. We rented it for you guys. This is the joint Wes and Iris birthday movie summer extravaganza. Set entirely in the winter. Exactly. Yeah, have you noticed this that um Christmas in July is like all the rage right now? To me that just means tamales. <laughs> so we primarily have spent our lives in California. In give or take the L.A. area. Yep. And this movie finds itself in Beaverfield, a state undetermined. Is it like Maine or something? No, no, no. It's it's Virginia. It's very, yeah, 100% Virginia, maple syrup, the whole nine yards. So hella characters, right? An eclectic group, one might say. I mean, yeah, but it's a whodunit. So you got to have like different characters for fun and tension. So everyone is suspicious and everyone is accusatory. And everyone has their own motivations. And yet, was Beaverfield the most open-minded, accepting, podunk, white trash town ever? Well, first of all, are you asking that because our lead character is Sam Richardson? Yes, he happens to be black, and no one bats an eye in this movie. And not to say that they should, but also they're wildly accepting, much more so than I would have thought for the gay barbers. You're talking about the Wolfson couple? Yes. They were very accepting of that. I mean, not only were the townsfolk very accepting of the Wolfson couple, but the Wolfson couple were very caricaturish. The only thing that was offensive or offending was their, <laughs> their portrayal of a, of a small town gay couple. Not offensive, pretty light across the board. I think that this movie really wants to be likable and clever. Like, So the characters, Sam and uh, Cicely, we get there a little cute, maybe, will they, won't they? And she's cute and likable enough for a pretty good misdirect. I don't know about you, but I was misdirected. But importantly, likable. Them in particular or the, the ensemble? No, I'm going to stick with just them because crazy cast of crazy people. 
Like, it's obvious who we are supposed to trust and not trust, right? I don't know. Were we supposed to trust Marcus and Gwen or not trust them? I think, ironically, we were supposed to distrust everyone except Sam and Cicely. I'll go with that. I mean, Moneybags Martha shows up with her dog and you're like, crazy. (laughs) Not the best performance from Michaela Watkins. Um, I mean, I guess she's like doing her job as the crazy dog lady, but she was pretty much shrill top to bottom, start to finish. Soup to nuts, like fever pitch, shrill and yelly. (laughs) Kelly actually stopped because I had to assure her, look, we're going to watch Werewolves Within. I'm sure it's going to be like The Wolf of Snow Hollow. And my vibe from the trailer is definitely not out and out horror. It's going to be like a funny horror movie trying to convince her, right? And so we're going through and I'm thinking nothing because there's no real gore. There's a couple of scares and stuff and some laying the groundwork that there is a thing out there or a person out there. And then she turns to me and she's like, are these people kind of stressing you out? Like just (laughs) these people are stressing me out. And I'm like, is it because they're manic? And she's like, yeah, they're so like intense and manic. It's it's freaky. Yeah, all of them kind of were. I mean, I felt like Moneybags Martha sets the tone, sets the bar. And then the Wolfsons and the gas station couple and the proprietor, like they just kind of take turns matching her levels. And I think that was effective because we get, you know, this history. And then we have Sam come into town as the new ranger. And Cicely is the new mail carrier, which was something that Kelly picked up on where it should have been obvious her ultimate fate because she replaced other other guy who got attacked. Right. Other male man. Yeah. When he died outside the house, leaning against a tree and there's there's super fast werewolves out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you get that he was a mail carrier and then that carried over that she was the replacement? Do you mean in the cold open? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, kill me. Um, I got after the fact that he was the mail carrier. Maybe not in the moment. I also got after the fact that he was waiting for her. He was waiting for Sicily. She was the other woman. Huh. And then she showed up, but as a werewolf. As a pac- pachyderm? What's it called? A lycanthrope. <laughs> lycanthrope, yeah. <laughs> this is a... <laughs> A pachyderm. A pachyderm can't fly. I don't know why I sounded like uh, Pennywise there. Boy, why are we lo- are we loopy or is it just me? I don't know. I think it's this movie. <laughs> uh, Werewolves within the comedy version of The Wolf of Snow Hollow, just like the father was the horror version of Relic. Uh, good enough. But to say this is a comedy. I guess. I mean, it had scary elements, and The Wolf of Snow Hollow was also a comedy of sorts. It's very important, the distinction that you make, though, that you be consistent, I believe, in tone. Because I feel like there were scary moments in Werewolves Within, and it had a dark undercurrent. It was ominous, and it kind of uh, Coen Brothers-y. But tonally, it was consistent throughout. So you have a sense of security in that it's we're being light and funny and nothing bad is going to happen right now. And I don't know if that hurt its horror credibility because I don't remember being on edge really at all. No. And I think that's an important distinction because on the flip side, I was really expecting greatness from The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yeah. And then Jim Cummings <laughs> messed it all up for me. 
Oh, come on. And there are no gyms here. The wild overacting, I guess, could be, you could say that was present in the townspeople, but it wasn't quite so in your face, quite so look at me. It matched their crazy personalities because they had the breakdowns where the lady, where her husband got killed and she was like screaming her her, her head off. Which husband? The husband that that lost the hand or the first husband who was found under the porch? Yeah, the first husband found under the porch, so the wife is wailing while they're trying to talk and stuff. I, I feel like tonally it was consistent enough so that it didn't, like, I didn't go in expecting a thing and then was irked when it kept trying to push me through another door. No Jim Cummings is here. So you're saying that Jim Cummings was more overacty than the actors in Werewolves Within? I think writer-director-star Jim Cummings of The Wolf of Snow Hollow intended to do a thing and then somehow subverted that with ridiculous overacting and tonal shifts that just didn't flow in the way that it should have. They were abrupt turns left and right, and it took me out of the movie. I feel like I came into Werewolves Within understanding what it was going to be, and it Mm. maintained that consistent tone. Yeah, I agree that Werewolves Within found its tone, kept its tone, and also managed to throw in a few fun surprises. Now, Wolf Snow Hollow, since we're going to go there, I would argue was less inconsistent than it was just not what you expected i think you were so thrown off by it that you never got you never recovered right but i didn't decide that i was gonna like or not like this movie i didn't decide what it was just out of the blue i was fed that information by the trailers for the wolf of snow hollow for what it was supposed to be right and it started out that way and there was so much promise and i was so excited and when they forced another direction on me i was resistant i had a little bit of momentum and they jacked it all up Hmm. Anyway, that's the argument. The Wolf of Snow Hollow endures as the argument of the ages for this podcast. I would say the most polarizing of our discussions. It's caused strife in my own home and with my family. Well, I'm, I do have so much respect for Kelly for maintaining her stance. Her Correct, by the way, on the Wolf of Snow Hollow because, did I say Snow, Snow Hollow? Is no, that you right? You said the Wolf of Snow Hollow, yeah. yeah so yeah. I think that helped get her on board for this one. But... Her reaction, our reaction, wasn't as strong following this movie as it was for that one. And I think that was good. Like I've maintained that a movie's ability to incite any, to evoke any reaction from you is a good thing. Whether it's fear or laughter or dread or anger for the message movies we've reviewed. But sometimes for a werewolf farce, I guess, you just kind of look at each other and smirk. Whereas I definitely had more stirrings after the Wolf of Snow Hollow, but I don't think that's a good thing. Stirrings. Is it like start in your in your gut? It was instinctual how I reacted to these movies differently. Speaking of instinct, Moneybag Martha's dog, Cha-Cha, Chachi, yeah. Chachi, yeah. <laughs> had the worst instincts of any dog I've ever seen on film. There must have been someone off screen with treats. Chachi behaved like a dog. When a dog sees a stranger, they, they bark. But when it came to werewolf time, that dog wasn't barking its head off. Well, because it got mauled. Oh, we don't know what happened out there. If it was even the werewolf, really. No, we don't. We don't know if a lot of the stuff was the werewolf because of the way this was set up. Uh, we know that Pete was the werewolf. Emerson, you were on, how you say it? He was under the porch. Is that oh, from no. Stand By Me? Yeah. <laughs> Who was the guy under the porch? Her husband? Mr. Sherman, the dude under the porch, we know he was mauled by the werewolf. Yes. So what are you saying? We we don't know what what was or what wasn't the werewolf. 
I'm saying this movie was about setup and the setup was confusing and there were a few issues that I have with it that I wanted to discuss with you. So Cecily is the werewolf and we can establish that. And if you haven't seen this movie, you have no business listening to this review. So spoilers away. Don't alienate our listeners. They can listen. But knowing that's the case and working backwards, do you think that Cecily could talk as a werewolf? Could talk? What do you mean? She didn't seem like she was the stereotypical werewolf in that when she becomes a werewolf, she can't control herself and she wakes up naked in the park and doesn't know what happened like uh, American Werewolf in London. She seems to be able to transform when she chooses. She's not like worried about when the moon will grab her and, and make her all hairy and screamy, right? She's not a reluctant werewolf, no. Right. Does she change at will? Yeah, she changes at will. She, I mean, it was seemed very intentional at the axe at the end where she's like cracking her toes and like transforming and it's not like she was opportunistic in her killings so it seems like she is cognizant she's aware she still has her faculties about her when she's the wolf yeah probably just more animalistic but what wasn't clear to me was her motivation like was she on some kind of crusade against mean men she said a girl's got to eat basically and it was she was feeding herself in an insulated little town like beaverton beaverfield beaverfield (laughs) hot beaver field goss where she could uh, set food stores by for the winter and she can make it through she so she didn't choose to attack sam even though she had every opportunity when they were alone on their way to to stromboli's you know hate cabin or whatever stromboli uh, are you talking emerson yeah that guy emerson you was under the porch he, he was the paper-thin setup, right? The idea that that dude who's wearing a, a wolf head with way too many teeth in it could possibly be the werewolf. The misanthrope at the outskirts of town? Yes, the misanthrope lycanthrope. And so he was obviously not the werewolf, but she was, and she could have killed Sam basically whenever she wanted. Yeah, but she was toying with him. It doesn't seem like she was beholden to the change or whatever. And so it seems like maybe she could have talked when she was the werewolf. So in kind of setting up her thing, was she deliberately going around slashing the generators? Yeah. Like, because why would a werewolf who doesn't have like a human mentality slash the generator boxes target those specifically because she she maintained her faculties she was a calculating werewolf and it's much more efficient to slash generators when you have wolf claws than when you're human and yet sam believed it was plausible that whoever's room they went into because they found his knife that the knife was capable of inflicting the damage on the generators that did i don't know why you'd want to stab an electrical generator with a knife (laughs) But whatever. That seemed like a plausible enough setup for him to be convinced that he knew who the werewolf was in this werewolf whodunit. Well, he thought it was Sam. Sam Richardson thought it was Sam Parker. There were two Sams? Well, Sam, no. Sam Richardson's character was named Finn. So Finn thought it was Sam, the guy who wants to build the, the pipeline. But Sam Parker thought it was Finn because he originally found the dagger in Finn's room and then took it to his room where Finn later found it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and Colonel Mustard had the pipe in the study or whatever, right? Um, And and then the uh, scientist lady came in, and she was immediately played as being suspicious, at least in my mind. But I think that was because she was suspicious and not that suspicions were to be placed on her because she was the one who really started in earnest the idea of the whodunit. 
Yeah, because she had her um, werewolf contraption. So my my assumption is that Doctor Ellis was always on the werewolf track for whatever whatever reason she she gave for being there was not correct. And then when she finally when she got evidence, then it all came out that that's like that her business was about this were- werewolf. What was she there? She was testing stuff for the pipeline, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, she was an environmentalist against the pipeline. She was kind of rounding out the uh, the naysayers. And yet no less crazy. She would have fit right in with that town, chugging wine and shooting through the door blindly. Are you talking about her murder slash suicide? Well, yeah, that, that scene where she just, he approached the door and she was shooting. I thought Sam could have been the werewolf because he, he avoided a lot of trouble. Like he didn't get, almost got shot, but didn't get shot. And, uh. I wasn't really sure. And I guess there, I'm sure from the very top, there were clues all throughout that we should have gotten this misdirect. Um, I will admit that I was kind of, I wasn't like intently analyzing, but I had my suspicions and then I was completely thrown. So who did you think it was? Who did you think? Um, I thought there might have been two. I thought Moneybags Martha was a pretty strong contender, but I thought there might have been two of them. Oh, yeah, that would have been, that, that could like have been. A were, like a werewolf family. Or, you know, I, I thought that you can't kill the gay guys in, in movies anymore, but could, could there be gay werewolves? <laughs> I don't know. So, but, but everybody was in turn terrorized in a way that you'd think you could exclude them from suspicion, right? At the same time, when they went to Stromboli's house and he's really threatening and they have the funny moment where they realize because they saw the collar, Chachi's collar, and they're trying to get out the door, that's the werewolf playing terrified that he is going to kill them. You know what I mean? Right. But also simultaneously planting the evidence. It was meant to play. That whole thing was meant to play for laughs, but it was, I don't know, maybe she's just a good actor. <laughs> like Cecily's a good actor or Milana, Milana. Milana Weintrub. I guess both. Uh, I thought she was a nice counterpoint or counterpart, I guess, to the Sam Richardson character. Sam Richardson, um, he was so, so he was uh well, what has he done then? Come on. I don't know. I re- recognize Milana Weintrub and I recognize Moneybags Martha. And aside from that, everybody was a total cast of unknowns to me. Well, I thought that Finn was cast well. He is very endearing and I liked his little arc. <laughs> like yeah. what's it's pretty funny that, that his arc was he's a nice guy learning to accept that he's a nice guy. <laughs> like it's kind of sweet. I guess. And it was fine. He was no worse off by the end, right? Do you think he gets back together with his girlfriend? No, but he now he knows. Now he's a little bit, you know, wiser, a little bit smarter in love. He learned that his girlfriend, you know, and he he got clued in that they were actually broken up for all intents and purposes. He um he's a little bit wiser for having had the experience with Cecily and uh, is a little bit more accepting of who he is. That he's allowed to be a nice guy and um and that he doesn't belong. He didn't. He never belonged with these crazies. He was sweet. I really liked the Finn Wheeler character. I mean, I feel like this movie didn't, I guess it had serious themes and it was dark at times, but the light razor sharp banter, at least in terms of matching those character, those personas, was really this movie's strength, right? It was easy and fun and quippy and not in an obvious heavy handed bag of hammers kind of way. It seems like some of the mutterings and the uh, the quips might have been, I think they were best served the way they were delivered, which is sort of under their breath or like in the background. <laughs> and you kind of laugh 
it's not obvious hammy that we got from Jim Cummings. I think I was just glad that I was experiencing this as a third party and not in the midst of the craziness that was ensuing and, you know, being, I mean, it's definitely, it felt like cabin fever fueled. And then there was all this, there were all these disagreements about the money and you don't want to get in between people and their money and people in their pipelines or people in their, you know, winter woods getaway. And the crazy townsfolk were pretty well matched up so that there was, you know, the the dividing line with the, the pipeline, but then also all these other competing objectives. Like, you know, the Wolfson couple was there because they wanted their millionaire's winter retreat, whereas the proprietor woman, Mrs. Sherman, was there because that's where her and her husband had established their future or their retirement or whatnot. And then there was the crazy gas station couple who were pitted against the other crazy Anderton couple. And then there was also the affair or the indiscretion between Peter Anderton and Gwen, the crazy cat. I was really tracking this, if you couldn't tell. I mean, yeah, you did. You had diagrams and stuff. <laughs> this was You were going to find out who the murderer was, who the, who the werewolf was. I went along for the ride. So if you go to this dinner werewolf theater at the end, are you satisfied with the result? I was fine going along for the ride. I was surprised by Cecily, but then when it was revealed, it was immediately obvious to me. I mean, she was the only one left. And Cecily's reveal gave the movie a sense of completion that I really think would have been lacking had it not been her. It starts with them, it ends with them. It's kind of interesting. I maybe took the wrong approach, but I don't regret it. This was a washer for me. And I let it go, and I was like, huh, I didn't see that coming. But boy, was I relieved when there was actually a werewolf. (laughs) Although, as Kelly stated, it was more like a John Landis thriller video cat werewolf thing. Um, Yeah, she was very cats werewolfy. But at least there was some form of a werewolf. I mean, there was arguably more werewolf in Wolf of Snow Hollow, and yet ultimately less werewolf. That's weird. And so fine. I wouldn't say it was the scariest werewolf. There was a scene in The Howling where the news reporter turns into a werewolf. This lady, she has like an on-screen transformation during the news broadcast. But she's almost like a chow puppy or something. She's like a fluffy dog. And this is kind of like that. Like she wasn't terrifying, right? She wasn't Benicio Del Toro or anything. Second most terrifying werewolf by far, Marcus is Freddy Krueger. Oh, yeah. No, he was pretty freaky. Yeah. And that seemed deliberate, right? I mean, he was just a crazy dude in general, but then you put knives on the hand of a crazy dude, and he becomes very menacing. <laughs> right? But it's not like it was the glove. He had to laboriously <laughs> apply those knives with duct tape every time. <laughs> Is this the type of movie where you had enough clues to where you could you felt like, okay, I have a pretty good idea, but this one clue doesn't match up because the one clue guides us towards, eventually leads us to a Freddy Krueger hand? Like... I wasn't trying to figure out who the the werewolf was, and I was. I guess I. I think I was pretty convinced that it was there was an actual menace. Whether that menace was a werewolf, I think, was kind of beside the point. I was worried that we were going to get to this point where it was like, no, there's a werewolf inside all of us, and it's the you know, <laughs> in our our inability to bond with our neighbors or whatever, and then, whew, thankfully that because that would have made me mad. Why? If there was no werewolf because all the werewolves were within, yeah, there needed to be a werewolf in some Why? form. The, it's called Werewolves Within. Because otherwise, it's not a horror comedy. Why? Why can't it be? Because then you don't you don't deserve the title of werewolves. Is there any connection between Mishna Wolf and the Wolfson couple and werewolves? 
No, I think the Mishnah Wolf Werewolves pairing was just fortuitous. And then if your name is Wolf and you're writing a werewolf movie, might as well put a Wolfson couple in there, right? So I was apprehensive coming into this movie. I actually suggested it because, you know, we're in the doldrums. We're in the, the hard part of summer where the big stuff has been released and who knows what else is out there? Who knows what people are watching? So going into this movie, I was like, okay, I'm focused and I'm going to be open-minded and just kind of relax and not make this a big deal because I don't want to be disappointed. And then boom, Ubisoft comes up and I'm like, what the hell? What's happening? Did that strike you as strange? A little bit. Aren't they a software company? They're a video game company specifically. Werewolves Within is based on a video game. Not only that, one of the trailers said based on the video game you've never heard of. It's a virtual reality game based on the old Mafia style game is what it was called. But now apparently it's got a werewolf theme. Oh, Mafia, the card role playing game you play? It's where you sit around a table basically and talk and then you have to like vote people out. And in the in the end, you decide who to kill and you decide who's the mafioso or who is the werewolf. Yeah, people die like in between rounds because either the werewolf, yeah. The werewolf continues to kill people. Right. And you have to figure out who it is and and who to kill so that the werewolf rampage will finally stop. So, yeah, I didn't realize that this was based on the game until afterwards. Basically, you're sitting around a campfire and trying to figure out who the werewolf is. So I was really hoping for that paranoia. It seemed like it could have been low budget just the way it was. The moment where they're all sitting around hurling accusations, using logic, basically laying out some of the same questions that the viewer would have had to. We never got that Hateful Eight, The Thing, Cabin Fever, Insular, Paranoia kind of vibe. We did for a bit when they were all shut in or when they decided that they were going to stay safety in numbers at the lodge. I think that lasted for maybe an hour or so until the werewolf ate that dude's hand. But there was a little bit of that then where it was all pointing fingers and arguing in the lobby and everyone's looking over their shoulder kind of a thing. Yeah, but it was more accusations because the scientist lady had told them her suspicion that one of them present was the wolf, right? Mm. But we really should have known. We really should have known when one of the Wolfsons grabs Sicily and is like, she's the seventh born. Like it was all written there. And likewise, when the dude got attacked and got his hand gnawed off, she was the only one not present in the hallway. Oh. Although she did show up right after that. So I had some questions about the way they went about it. The fact that they agreed, even though they all believe that there's a werewolf at large, They agreed to bundle their guns up and lock them up and toss the key out the window. I mean, I guess they didn't want the werewolf to be armed. I guess. That's pretty thin. And then they all left at the end of the night. Kelly was like, they're leaving without their guns? Like, when they had their disagreement, they're like, screw this, I'm going home. Right. You guys have pissed me off for the last time. Also, all the doors were locked and the keys were thrown out the window. So I'm not sure how suddenly they all left through different doors. Who died and then miraculously the power came back on? How did the power come back on? You mean at the end? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, they did say that, what did they call the snow when the road got snowed in? When the when the world ate the road or whatever? <laughs> yeah, they had some kind of like backwoods term. Yeah, winter done come for us. <laughs> something like that. No, it was like winter like boned us or something like that. Anyway. 
And so we get Sam and Cecily where she he understands and she makes she finally reveals confirms his suspicions. And then while she's talking about how she murdered people and she's offhanded because that's been her whole character. My point about her being the werewolf is she's able to separate herself from the werewolf while still recognizing they still recognize each other in that she can be murderous and horrible but that doesn't carry over into her fun funny cutesy personality she's a werewolf with a sense of humor and so she's got to be aware at all times because she's going to be like okay it's fun cutesy time and she generally seems to like laugh and enjoy life and stuff until it's time to murder people in generators she's an aware wolf (laughs) and so when she's like offhandedly like yeah girls got to eat so i murdered everybody and now i'm going to murder everybody here and that's going to keep me through the winter he seems remarkably unconcerned of the (laughs) fact that she's a werewolf and he's in grave peril why is he taking this so lightly oh there we go because then when stuff starts to get hairy then he busts out the axes which uh, she really shouldn't have left lying around or at least you know that being her werewolf den for the winter or whatever she sh- you know she should have at least been aware that that was a potential threat to her right like yeah she introduced the axes to him exactly were they made out of silver well i don't think it really matters because he kills her with a snowshoe the point is that it seems like she left herself open by making available to him lots of weapons the snowshoeing dude he talked about the snowshoeing the whole movie <laughs> And Kelly says, it's a snowshoe. And I was like, yeah, it's the most effective means of, of murdering werewolves. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was one really great moment where C- Cecily is acknowledging the snowshoeing. Like he says it one more time. And in the deep background, she's like, snowshoeing. He's really obsessed with it. <laughs> there are lots of little asides. <laughs> but don't you have to kill werewolves? You can't kill werewolves with stakes. According to lore, it was only silver. But uh, I think this was played loose and fast with a lot of the werewolf rules. But, you know, for the first dude, when she was apparently zipping around the trees so he couldn't even track where she was, she was awfully inefficient at killing Sam. But whatever. I mean, I really liked the loose tone or whatever. I I felt that it was funny enough without taking it too seriously. If it had gone a little bit too dark and tried to play too far away from the comedy angle, I would have been annoyed. But it remained consistent in tone and just it didn't annoy me. So I didn't have an opportunity to hate it. It really is about tone and delivery and respecting your audience, which I think this one did for being a little nothing video game based werewolf movie. Now give it an all right. I can't hate on this movie. I think that's pretty solid for this indie flick with not a lot of recognizable faces in a format that's fairly familiar. It was a nice light touch, fun, and yet still engaging kind of horror whodunit. An all right from Wes, a good from Iris, and that's our review on Werewolves Within, available currently on VOD. 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. See you next time. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid.
Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.